Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast here on Legal Talk Network. If you're looking for Roland Gift, first search in the raw and then the cooked. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you find yourself on a deserted island, it's probably okay to open the hatch. As always, I'm your host, Jared Korea, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services for law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc., which offers chatbots, a first-to-market chatbot builder, and predictive analytics created specifically for law firms. Find out more at www.gideon.legal. You can listen to my other, other podcast, The Lobby List, a family travel show I host with my dear wife, Jessica, on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment. But here on The Legal Toolkit, the podcast you're listening to right now, we provide you twice each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about the new small firm roadmap. But before I introduce today's guests, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Let's welcome in our new sponsor, Abby Connect, which has delivered premium live receptionist and answering services to lawyers since 2006. You can try them out for free at abbyconnect.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800 267 9371 or online at www.nexa.com. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers, providing solutions since 1999. TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small. www.timesolve.com. My guest today, more often a podcast host, I might add, is Sam Glover, the founder of Lawyerist. He's a dad, bookworm, an aging skate punk, and I've learned that he's about to go skateboarding in the near future. He's a former <laughs> plaintiff's lawyer and was named Legal Rebels Trailblazer by the ABA Journal. Sam, welcome back to the big show, because you've been on before. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. This will be even more fun than the last time. <laughs> so you're from Minnesota, right? Yep. We were just talking about this. So can you tell me a little bit about the intricacies of duck, duck, gray duck for those who are uninitiated? <laughs> I can't really because I left Minnesota in first grade. And so I didn't actually, I have no actual memory of playing duck, duck, gray duck. <laughs> That's it was really always duck, duck, goose for me. But my understanding is that people here are very militant about not playing duck, duck, goose. Yeah, it's like a thing, yes. which, I, which I was unaware of until some Vikings playoff game when somebody posted <laughs> about this. All right, so I'll have to get another Minnesotan on to tell me about that. So I, I mean, I can explain to you why, uh, if you want to know why it's better. It's because you can call out colors and you go blue duck, green duck, 
yellow duck, green duck, and you can really, you know, psych people out. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I, I think that's a that's a viable description. You know your stuff. <laughs> you get your Minnesota card back. Yep. So let's talk about Lawyerist in your new book, right? Sure. You've got a new book out through Lawyerist, you and several co-authors, who you can call yeah. out if you want, yeah. called The Small Firm Roadmap, A Survival Guide to the Future of Your Law Practice. So can you tell me about why you all decided to write this? And feel free to shout out your co-authors if you'd like. Yeah, and the co-authors are uh, Aaron Street, who really did a lot of the work, um, Stephanie Everett, myself, and Marshall Lichty. And, um, I mean, we all did plenty of the work, but Aaron uh, took the lead on editing and revising and things like that. I mean, honestly, the book was pretty much long overdue from us. We have been writing and speaking and talking and thinking about what it means to have a successful practice and what that should look like for years. And so the book was, we finally kind of went all hands and put that together in one coherent narrative about what the practice of law looks like today, what are the trends shaping it, um, what does a firm, a small firm need to look like in order to adapt to that, and then nuts and bolts of how to actually get there. So that's, that's why. Right. So, so let's talk about that then. Why now? Like. 2019, you said you've had these ideas percolating for a while, which yeah. I know, I mean, I've read your content over time, and it seems like this is a natural outgrowth of that, but for sure. why is it so essential now for law firms to utilize a book like this, especially to be focused on like the future of their law practice? I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any particular reason why now as opposed to like last year or next year, although I wish we would have published this, you know, five years ago, but, you know, I think the trends shaping the practice of law are at an inflection point. And I don't mean an inflection point today, but, you know, at, at any point now, there's <laughs> recently or soon, um, you're at a point now where you can build a different kind of a law practice. And it's very clear that the traditional law practice model is starting to founder. And I, I mean, there are a few reasons why it feels so urgent to me. Um, but one of the ones that is, I suppose, maybe one of the biggest driving factors to me is just looking at how... Um, how sick our profession is, and and I don't I don't mean that in the rah rah you know law practice is broken way. I mean the people who practice law are broken, right? Our, our profession has the highest incidence of suicide and depression and divorce and substance abuse, except maybe dentists, which I always think is kind of interesting. But the last time I read about it, dentists were beating lawyers. But our profession is quite literally sick, and I think the way we practice law is a, a real culprit there. And so the small firm roadmap is in large part a prescription for a different way to practice and a better way to practice so that hopefully we can start turning that problem around. I just felt like dentists would be a nice, easy job. I think Perhaps not. I, I think staring into people's bad breath mouths all day and having access to prescription drugs might be uh, might be the reason. I don't know. That'll do it. That makes sense. So yeah. it's it's interesting to me that you reference like our profession still. And you haven't practiced law for a long time. So you, you feel like you still have a real kinship with lawyers who are running small practices. Yeah, I don't practice day to day for sure, but I spend all of my time with lawyers who are practicing. So yeah, I, I definitely, and I, and I definitely, I, I still volunteer. I do pro bono work. Um, cause it's important to me to, to do that, but I, um, it still feels like my profession. Yeah. Good for you, man. All right. So talk to me a little bit about the small firm scorecard, which is part of this book and also available separately, I think through your website. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of step one in, uh, answering the question that everyone has always had 
for us, which is like, you know, you publish a blog post every day or a couple times a week and and those each of those posts is a small piece of the puzzle of, you know, here's what we think you need to be thinking about. And and people kept, you know, saying, Okay, just give me the big picture. What is my firm? What do I actually need to do? And the scorecard was our first attempt to kind of make that list of here, here are the qualities that a firm needs to have to be successful. And and this is not based on, you know, woo-woo stuff. This is just based on sitting around and, and studying, <laughs> sitting around, getting out and being with law firms, witnessing what works, studying business practices and, and business learning, and then putting it all together. And so that's the small firm scorecard. And it's it's a self-evaluation. So you rate yourself um, 50 questions for small firms, 42, I think, for solo practices. So there's two different versions of it. I should warn everyone who might be taking it for the first time. It's free. You go to our website, create an account so that you can keep track of your score and and you can just take it. Um, anyone taking it the first time, just beware, most people don't score well the first time. And I think it's worth warning because um, most law students are used to getting good grades. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be a good scorecard if people were like blowing it out of the water for a try, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the goal is for it to be something that you work on. And it's it's meant to, you know, we always thought about it as once you take the scorecard, you're, you take your responses and that starts to build the roadmap for what you personally need to work on. Um, and then we wrote the book to try and give people a more clear roadmap. And you guys have been doing some conferences of late as well, right? I'm guessing some of this, the book and the scorecard, are driven by your experiences at conferences that you've had with lawyers, right? Yeah, I mean, so we started out calling it TBD Law, and now we call it LabCon. And this is a an invitation-only conference for the law firms, the law firm leaders, really, that we work with in Lab, which is our our premium program where we we actually do one-on-one coaching and run workshops and masterminds, and there's an online course curriculum and things like that. But um, I never got an invitation, Sam. Don't worry, I'll hold it you're against you. are not a practicing lawyer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and so, LabCon is where we we twice a year spend really two and a half intense days with practicing lawyers working on their firms, and it's a really amazing experience. Uh, we just we just decided to do it twice a year, and uh, we're going to be doing it splitting time between Atlanta and Minneapolis. So, oh, nice, excellent, uh, Minneapolis in the summer and Atlanta uh, in the winter. Uh, Atlanta in the winter, yeah. Well played, sir. (laughs) On that note, I'm looking at my scoreboard and we need to take a break. (laughs) Here are some of the things that a reasonable lawyer might consider purchasing, along with a nearly complete DVD set of The X-Files. Nothing after season seven. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexus virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm's software, and much, much more. Nexus ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a very special offer. 
Thanks for not leaving. We didn't. Now that I've located my passport, let's get back to our conversation with Sam Glover of Lawyerist. We're talking about Lawyerist's new book, The Small Firm Roadmap. So Sam, we talked a little bit about why you wrote this book, the experiences that made it happen. Let's dive into like the actual small firm roadmap, the book itself, the guidance you give, uh, starting out with one of the things you talk about in the early chapters, like why is it so important to law firm managers to develop goals? I think, well, if you don't have goals, you don't really know what you're trying to do in the world. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the first things we often end up doing with firms is either working on clarifying your mission and values or clarifying your, your personal or business goals. And I, I think I think this is it's there's no big secret here. Um, there's no big secret to any of the stuff that we teach. I don't think. But um, but if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish in the world, if you don't know what kind of job you're trying to make for yourself, if you don't know what kind of vacation time you need to have <laughs> or what your goals outside of work are, um, it's really hard to decide on what you want to do in your firm. And then in your firm, it's really important to know what what is the impact you're trying to have and what what are your goals for the firm? They can be financial goals. Your goal can be to travel Southeast Asia while running your firm from a laptop. I think that's one of the things that distinguishes us is when it comes to the meaning of success, we're trying to tie this to your actual goals that you want to have for your firm. And, and if you haven't ever sat down and done this before, it's an interesting exercise, especially if you have partners and you may find that you have incompatible goals, um, which is kind of a weird experience that we have seen several firms go through. So, <laughs> Don't break up too many partnerships over there. No, but it's funny. Like Every, <laughs> yeah. every time I talk to a lawyer, I'm like, what do you want? And they're like, well, I want to make more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is it's, which is it's fine. more than that, obviously. How do you want to make more money? Under what circumstances? And what do you want to do with your money when you're not working, If assuming you want to have a not working time? I think another thing that exercise can help with is reflecting on what kind of work you want to be doing. Uh, because a lot of law firm, not a lot, maybe a lot, uh, uh, many people end up starting their own firm without actually meaning to be a CEO of a business. And you can still hear the noise about, you know, law is a profession, not a business, which is absolute bull. But um, it is Sam, both. we can't swear on this podcast. Now these guys should be up editing this podcast for like three hours. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, it, it, but it's absolute baloney. And uh, it, it has to be a business too. And if you, if you aren't, if you don't want to, you know, have a vision for a business, if you don't want to manage people, if you don't want to think about business strategy, if you don't want to do those things, then you shouldn't own a law firm. You should go work for another practice. And that isn't a judgment. That isn't, you're not bad or good or anything else. It just means being aware of where is your highest and best use and where do your interests lie. And if what you want to do is serve clients, then you probably shouldn't be running a law practice because that is a different job that requires different skills. Uh, Let me first apologize to all the children out there. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's true. (laughs) Like... Running a, running a law firm is more like being a CEO now more than mm-hmm. ever, and lawyers haven't quite come to grips with that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's also talk about marketing, which you address mm-hmm. in the book as well. So is there a disconnect between lawyers and their potential clients? And if so, how does that affect law firm marketing, potentially in a negative way? Um, I think there are a number of disconnects, <laughs> but I think one of the things that, this is again like, if you don't want to market your practice, like that's, that is a job. There's a job description, which is a, you know, your chief marketing officer. And if you're solo, you just have to wear up, put all these different hats on at different times. But again, like 
marketing is something that is a little bit different than I think many lawyers think about it as. I think many lawyers have this idea that marketing is mostly advertising. And, you know, you see this reflected sometimes on Twitter where a law firm opens a Twitter account and every tweet is some variation on if you've been in a car accident, call 1-800-BROKEN-BONES or whatever. I think that's too many letters, but... Um, <laughs> that's close. So, that's close. Um, you know, and, and you see it reflected in stuff like that where really marketing, especially in 2019 and and beyond, if you're listening to this later, looks very different than blasting out your message into the ether. And we're really promoting uh, a more empathetic brand of marketing called inbound marketing, where what you're actually trying to do is attract people by delivering value to them before they even contact your firm. The way I used to describe this in is, um, you know, let's say you have a family law firm and you want to focus, you want to market to divorce. Well, one way to do that is just to try to win the game of billboards and search engine terms so that the moment somebody is searching for, you know, Stuartville divorce lawyer, you're the top link on, on Google. Or when somebody's thinking about getting divorced, driving down the highway, they see your billboard. But that's like, that's the last moment of the last mile marketing. Because before somebody is trying to get divorced, they're trying to stay together and they're trying to figure out what to do with their kids. And there are a number of different places along their journey towards divorce where you could help them and deliver value to them. And if you do that, then then they never actually get to the point of looking at a billboard or Googling, you know, uh, Springfield divorce lawyer because they already have one and it's you because you've been helping them along the entire time. And that's just a totally different approach to marketing, but it comes from understanding deeply the way your client's problems unfold and it requires you to look beyond the simple, you know, law school final exam problem of what are the legal issues present in this case and instead look at the larger problem as it unfolds of what your client is trying to do and how they're going about trying to solve it and looking for opportunities to help them along the way. Right. It's funny because people aren't necessarily sitting there looking for a personal injury attorney and saying like, wait, who was the attorney that tweeted about the most horrific <laughs> of the car accidents that I heard about recently? Who was writing about like the 18 car accident that killed 30 people? And, um, and honestly, personal injury is one of those things where actually just winning the search engine game might be the right. best way to go about it because right. people get in an accident and then they want help. But there are a lot of practice areas where that's not true. So. Oh, true. Um, all right, let's turn the page here and speak on the value of systems and workflows in law mm -hmm. practice. Something else you also There's something near and dear to your heart as well, I think. Yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> so why, <laughs> why don't you tell us why it's so good for lawyers and why they don't do it enough? Yeah, I, you know, it's there, there are a few different things, but I, I think taking the time to actually sit down and figure out how you do what you do and then document that, it's sort of like the operating system for your practice. And I spend a fair amount of time thinking about code and writing code for um, building the lawyerist product that we offer to our members. But but a lot, I know a lot of lawyers don't. But think about it like IRAC, right? IRAC is the way that you go about writing briefs, at least when you're learning. And you have that system and then you can start tweaking it. Now, in your law practice, that's, you know, every time a client walks in the door, we give them a, a menu of beverages that they can have and snacks that they can have. And if they have a child, we hand their child a free little Lego set that we've bought for a few dollars and 
um, give their kid a corner to play in while we meet with their client. You know, that process, if, if that's how you serve every client, it becomes sort of your guarantee. And not, an, not, in, the, not in the legal sense of a guarantee, but it's the, it's the experience that you want people to have. And you can, you can start this when people search for your name. You can start this on your website. You can start this the first time you shake hands with somebody, whatever it is. But that becomes the process. Here's how we handle summary judgment motions. And then once you have a process and you start using it every time, you can start looking for ways to tweak it and improve it. Maybe we should approach settlement differently. What happens if we um, send a demand letter at this time instead of this time? Let's try it in a few cases and see how that works. You know, what happens if we don't insist on meeting people during business hours? What if we don't pick up the phone every time it rings? What, you, you can start working on those things, but you can't if you don't actually have a system for doing it. And the way this plays out is like, I remember a couple years ago, somebody asked me about an estate plan, and I referred them to a lawyer in, in whom I have a lot of confidence about the quality that they work that they do and the kind of client experience that they deliver, but they didn't have a system. And the result is that they totally dropped the ball on my referral. Um, they never got a call back. They never got um, any attention. And they were like, I'm, who is this knucklehead you referred me to? And I feel bad for making the referral. That lawyer ended up apologizing, but couldn't salvage that relationship. And if instead, if you had a better system, he would have been a lot less likely to drop the ball on that client. And now I actually know him that he does have a system and he's not dropping balls anymore. And I think that's part of just why systems are so important is because it allows you to think about your practice as a client service delivery machine. And the goal here is not to automate it, not to remove the soul from what you do and not to cheapen your service. But the goal is to improve your service so that it is more um, reliably good and better than what you were doing before. And that's what you can do once you have systems and procedures that you is really hard to do when it's just you thinking about how to do it the best way every time, which just doesn't always work. But dude, for real, intake systems. Can we get every lawyer to adopt an actual <laughs> intake system? I mean, for the love of God. I, w I definitely want to draw a contrast, though, between when I use the word systems and technology. Technology absolutely plays a really important role here, but systems happen outside of technology, and then you, you put technology in there when and where you can. Absolutely every lawyer should have an intake system, and most lawyers should be using some form of technology as part of it, for sure. Agreed. Can I get a Lego set as well? <laughs> That's been one of my things. Like, I, So many lawyers, uh, I have like a... If they if they make any provision for kids in the office, it's like a box of toys that other kids have been playing with for years. And like, just go to Target every once in a while and buy a ton of those $3 Lego sets and you'll make kids so happy. <laughs> and, and me. While I wait for Sam yeah, to send totally. me my Lego set, <laughs> let's take another break. So listen to these words from our sponsors. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolv, leave off the e.com. Remember, that's timesolv.com. Your legal work requires your full attention. So how can you build lasting relationships with new or existing clients while juggling your caseload? 
Try Abby Connect, the friendly, highly trained, and motivated live receptionists who are well-known for providing consistent quality customer service and support to law firms just like yours. Every connection matters. So call Abby Connect today at 833-ABBY-WOW to get started with your free 14-day trial and $95 off your first bill. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Like Joaquin Phoenix, we're still here, and we're still talking with Sam Glover of Lawyerist, who's telling us all about... Joaquin Phoenix is not talking to us. Well, he could be. Like, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, if you're listening, come on the pod, He's man. lurking. He's great. I, he, he's a listener. I'm sure he is. So, Joaquin, <laughs> come on the show, man. Joker's great. And we're still talking with Sam Glover right now of Lawyerist, who's definitely not Joaquin Phoenix, but who's still pretty cool. And he's telling <laughs> us about Lawyerist's new book, The Small Firm Roadmap. Let's find out more. All right, Sam, ready for your biggest softball of all your softball questions? Bring it. What will the role of technology be in the future of small law firms? <laughs> and go. Okay, I'm, I want to give a little bit of context here because Lawyerist is often still referred to as a legal tech website or blog, which drives me crazy <laughs> because we are not and have never been. We are interested in technology and absolutely believe that technology plays a key role. But one of the things that drives me nuts is when lawyers start by shopping for technology instead of starting from the problem that they're trying to solve. So I don't assume that your firm necessarily needs law practice management software. It probably does, but you'll have a much easier time finding the right one once you understand what is the problem you're trying to solve by getting law practice management software. Because very often, as I'm sure you know, the problem that law firms have is something that isn't going to be solved by law practice management software, right? Like, I need to get organized. Well, the software isn't going to help you. So let's get you organized first, and then let's make sure that you're organized within your software, which you're probably going to need. Now, obviously, most firms are going to need to become very tech savvy in order to stay competitive and in order to serve clients and meet clients' expectations, right? Like, I don't want to talk to anyone on the phone. I, I have an electrician now who texts messages with me and he's the best because he doesn't require me to sit there on the phone. Like he was at my house and uh, when he needed me to check the fuse box, we just FaceTimed um, so that I could point the camera at the fuse box for him. And the fact that I have a millennial electrician who is willing to do those things makes me so happy. Um, it's the small things. <laughs> it is the small things, but it makes things easier. And nobody wants to think that their lawyer is wasting time doing things manually that could be more easily done with technology. Nobody wants to know that their lawyer is dropping the ball on tasks that could be more easily done if they were automated, or at least if the checklists were automated. And so you obviously need to bring in technology when it can help you improve the, the level of client service that you're delivering, the quality of the work you're doing, the efficiency that you're bringing to the work. You need to be savvy. And We've put together a checklist of what we think sort of basic competence means. Um, I've done some podcasts with people about what that might mean. It's I, I'm just like, the idea that lawyers don't need to be tech savvy is so dated. I'm so tired of hearing about it. Of course you do. And like, you know, it boggles my mind that lawyers still object when I talk about things like going paperless. That's table stakes. Like I went paperless in my firm in 2005. So here we are 14 years later, I think. I think that my math is right. Um, I think you're good. There, there's nothing cutting edge about going paperless in 2019, right? It's like, come on, just get with the program. If only and, the clients knew how the sausage was made slowly. <laughs> yeah, painfully. totally. And like, you know, be, being able to, you know, 
having arguments about should you move your practice, your software to the cloud. I mean, do we do we really have to talk about this again? Like, yes, there are concerns and you should be aware of them and you should understand what the security levels of the services and the vendors that you're working with are so that you can make sure that they're a good fit for your practice. But that argument is over. If you're not using cloud-based software, you should have a really clear understanding of why and a plan to move <laughs> because it's just, that isn't how the future is going to be for your firm. And the sooner you can accept that reality, um, the better. And I guess... What I just said is kind of what is is our core philosophy is like the world is changing and we can we can argue about it, but if you refuse to accept reality, there isn't a whole lot that anyone can do to help you. Um, the reality is that clients expect different things. The reality is that you're competing with Google and online DIY services and you're competing with, honestly, courts DIY portals are getting better and better. You're competing with a lot of things and you can say, but, but, but they're no good, but it doesn't matter. You're actually competing with them and your clients want more for less and they want it to be more efficient. And you can either accept that and figure out how to take advantage of it or you can refuse to accept it and eventually you're going to lose out. On that note, I'm going to walk us back to the mid '70s. Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> yes. old Saturday Night Live with Chevy Chase when he was playing Gerald Ford in the presidential debates? Vaguely, yes. And they keep asking him questions about finances, and he objects mm-hmm. and says, "I was told there would be no math." <laughs> I feel like that's every lawyer I've ever met. But you've yeah. got a piece in your book on financial management for attorneys. So lawyers hate math, and by extension, a lot of them hate financials. So what sort of financial management is going to be a requirement for the small law firm of the future? I, I think, so I'll offer one really important thing that I think every firm should be doing. But first, yes. just in, in general, like this is, there is no rocket science here. You just need to be smart about finances. One of the things for that I think you need to be able to do is, you know, if you want to have a strategy and like your strategy is, I want to be a nine person firm and I want to be a full-time CEO and I want to be able to go on vacation and turn my phone off. Like those are totally valid, normal goals that everybody should be able to have. How are you going to get there is a question of financial strategy, right? Like how are you going to fund those, the staff that you are going to need to bring on to make that happen? And so like at at our company, which obviously is not a law firm, every time we set out our goals though, we sit down with our balance sheet and our budget and we try to project where we're going to be and what, you know, how it's going to work out. And you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to manage your accounts receivables so that you're not, your money isn't all sitting in other people's bank accounts. Those are all really important things. One thing that especially solos, but many small firms really need to do is make sure they are accounting for their own salary. A lot of solos in particular, and a lot of very small firms in particular, think of their firm as profitable if it is making a profit and then that's how they pay themselves which is okay if all you're trying to do is pull some cash out. But but A, you're not actually probably planning to invest in your business, which is something that you probably need to do as a healthy business. And number two, it means that your income statement is wrong because your salary should be an expense, right? It's a, it's a you, you have to account for that in what you're doing and you might not actually be profitable or you might be not nearly as profitable as you think. So one of the really important things that every firm should do is whether or not you actually pay yourself a, a salary every month, which you probably should do to be responsible. But you should account when you're trying to figure out like what was my profit, make sure you're subtracting a reasonable salary for yourself first. 
Um, and once you start doing that, you'll have a much more realistic picture of your firm's finances, which will be very helpful to you, I think. That's pretty good. So um, you alluded to this just now, but this is an issue with solos. This is an issue with smaller firms as they start to ramp up. How should the modern small law office owner think about staffing up and when should they do that? I like the advice to hire only when it hurts. <laughs> um, but I, the first exercise that I would do, including solos, solos are really resistant to this idea, but the first exercise I would do is create an org chart, an organizational chart, right? Like put yourself, and if you're solo, your name is in every box, which is okay, but put together an organizational chart and be realistic. I mean, there has to be a CEO. Um, you have a, you know, whatever you, you want, your chief of services officer, whatever you want to call the column of your org chart that delivers the actual client services. You have a chief marketing officer. You have a chief financial officer. You have a chief operations officer. And it's important to then put sort of a time estimate on each of those. What how much time are you devoting to each of those roles? And in bullet points, what are the roles and what are the responsibilities of each of those roles? And the reason you're doing this is to try to figure out where your time is going. And if you're a small firm, you can do this too. I mean, if you're a partnership of two or three people, you're going to have, you know, everybody's going to be sitting in multiple seats. But, but like, be honest, is, is the CEO job getting done? Is anyone actually doing strategy and thinking about where things are going? Who is doing the role of accounting and bookkeeping, and is that job getting done? Who's answering the phones? How much time is going into that, and are they doing it? You know, like, so the reason you lay this all out is because it helps you figure out where are the weak points and where are the needs. A lot of lawyers just want to hire somebody to take over things that they don't like doing, which is fine, except what if those things aren't going to help you bring in more money? I mean, you can only put in so much, so many useful billable hours. And as soon as you hire, now you're a manager too. And so they're, you know, hiring one person isn't going to make anybody more efficient. Um, it's really just going to probably be even. So I, I think doing an org chart can really help you figure out where are the points where you could hire and come out ahead. I think for most firms, those are usually going to be things like a receptionist or an intake specialist to take some of the pressure of answering the phone off um, so that you can actually have more focused time, an accountant and or a bookkeeper um, to handle billing and invoicing and things like that. Those are pretty easy to outsource. And I think if you really want to run your firm and not do most of the client work, then hiring a lawyer to do that work is probably somewhere next on the on the to-do list. So or maybe the first thing on the two list. So those are some places to do it. But I think hire when it hurts is probably my my best uh, advice because until it hurts, it's probably not essential and you might not be able to make it cash flow. But when it does hurt, really take the time out and do the hiring because you're, otherwise it's just going to keep on hurting. Sam, we've covered a lot mm -hmm. in like about a half an hour. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Take a big swig of water or coffee <laughs> or whatever it is you're drinking. I like to end with a new segment I have. It's called uh -oh. that social media post you forgot about. Yeah. Where oh, I read you back one? an old social media post of yours and you comment on it. <laughs> Sam Glover, are you ready? I am ready. Good, because that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> on July 3rd, 2019, you retweeted the following post from the Uberfax account. The band Blink-182 incorporated themselves under the name Poo Poo Butt LLC. <laughs> Because it was funny to make their accountants, attorneys, and managers say it. Great 
tweet, by the way. So tell me, if you hated your corporate attorneys as much as Blink-182 did, what would you <laughs> name your company? Um, I, don't, I don't think they hated them. I think they were just punk rock. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you're a punk skater guy. So there's I your chance. Just, <laughs> I, it, I'm going to digress for a moment here, but I, I, just, I just saw, um, I'd forgotten about this entirely, but Nirvana was at one point on top of the pops in Great Britain on the BBC, and uh, and the rule was that you had to sing to your pre-recorded track, and so they just totally destroyed their own song. They 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 sang "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and just ruined it because they were so annoyed by this stupid rule about it. So <laughs> that sounds very British. Yeah. Um, what? So. <laughs> I don't have a great answer That's all right. for what I would name my company if I were trying to piss off my lawyer. Well, I don't want to um, piss off any lawyers, but can I tell you what yeah. I would name my company in yeah, a perfect please world? Do. Have you ever seen Step Brothers? No, I haven't. No? No, oh, man. All right, so Step Brothers. I'm bad at watching movies and TV. I don't have all the right. attention span for it. All right, man, you should watch Step Brothers. Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. It's a good movie. Yep. So they're like, they're like unemployed 50-year-olds who live at home, and mm-hmm. they do a rap video to pitch... Uh, their dad on their company and they're on his boat and they crash his boat into the dock and destroy his boat but they call their company Prestige Worldwide it's a 360 <laughs> entertainment company so occasionally I'll go into meetings with people and they'll be like what should we call this and I'm like I think we should call it Prestige Worldwide and they're like that's like amazing that. and they have no clue that it comes from Step Brothers. I did so, I did it for, for a brief time I considered uh filing assumed names for my law firm and uh, oh. there were there were two options on the table one was just calling it awesome law, uh, because I yeah. just like I like to use the word awesome a lot, as most people probably know. And the other one was derived from my elevator speech. Uh, some people know that I sued debt collectors, but depending on the context, if you asked me what I did, I would probably just tell you that um, earmuffs, kids. I would probably just tell <laughs> Thank you, you. that <laughs> I would probably just tell you that I sue assholes. And um, and so I I considered reincorporating as I sue assholes. <laughs> well, and I think I actually, I think I actually owned isuapples.com for a while. So it was a long run up, but we made it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so on that note, let's end another episode of the Legal Toolkit podcast. This was a podcast about the small law firm roadmap, and we've been talking with Sam Glover of Lawyerist, who has uh, cursed on the podcast no less than four times. You're welcome, Adam and Evan. <laughs> I do my best now. I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Slam, Slam Glover. Oh, that could be your skateboarding name. Slam Glover. That'd be sweet. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> that that pretty much describes the first two years of skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that, that one's free. Thanks again to Sam Glover of Lawyerist for making an appearance as my guest today. All right, Sam, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you, about Lawyerist, and the Small Firm Roadmap book? Yeah, just go to Lawyerist.com. That's the best place to go. And if you want to just go straight and get the book, which you totally should because it's the best book ever written about law practice, you can find it on Amazon. Thanks again to Sam Glover of Lawyers. Check out the book, The Small Firm Roadmap. Finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Legal Toolkit Podcast. And where we're going, we don't need roads. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. 
Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.